Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. And thank you to Sarita and the team for leading us this morning. Uh, it's great to see you all here. Can you believe it? We blinked and it's Christmas. It just seems absurd. Christmas is here. It is upon us. Just a couple of days uh, to go and, and Christmas will be over. Uh, you might be visiting with us this morning. Uh, perhaps you've been dragged here by a family member because you were visiting for Christmas and you had no option. Uh, I'm sorry about that, but I'm thrilled you're here. Uh, we love you and, and we hope you're blessed for being here. Uh, you might be wondering, well, what actually happens in a church? What goes on in a place like this? Uh, I kind of interact with non-church people pretty frequently. And there's always that look of confusion when I explain to them I'm a pastor. Uh, if they have no church experience, they're kind of like, well, what does that mean? I mean, do you like only work one hour a week? Or like, what do you actually do? What goes on? And, and when you gather together, what goes on there? Well, you've noticed already some of what happens. We spend time worshiping. That's one of the reasons that we exist. We exist as a body of believers in Jesus Christ to come together and to worship God. And so we do that through singing. We do that through Advent moments. We do that through prayer, through scripture reading, through giving offerings. And then one of the things that we do is we gather around the word of God. Now, we believe the scripture has been given to us uh, and it, it's useful, it's profitable, it's helpful. It directs us. And so we spend some time going through the word and unpacking and trying to understand what it means for us as we try and live our lives in the here and now. And ordinarily, when we preach through scripture, uh, we kind of do what we call expositional sermons where we take a passage and expound on it and really dive into it. I'm trying to avoid the word unpack because that was a crutch word for me. I used to use it all the time. Uh, and, but that's what we do. We unpack scripture to see what it says. And over the last couple of months, we've been doing a series through the book of Luke, uh, where Luke explains who Jesus is and tells the story of Jesus Christ. Uh, but what we also do now and again is we pause and we take a break and we'll have a little series, a topical series or a series in something else. And that's what we've been doing over the last few weeks. It's Advent. It's the build up to Christmas. And so we've taken a break from Luke and we've looked at the themes of Advent each Sunday building up to Christmas. For those that are desperate and ready to dive back into Luke, we'll be doing that in January. We'll kick off again in Luke 11. Uh, we've also got some really great series lined up for next year, which we'll tell you about at a later stage. But over the last couple of weeks, we've stopped each week in Advent to pause and to reflect. And we started in the first week of Advent looking at hope. And looking at the hope that God gives us, looking at the hope that we find in Jesus Christ, uh, we, we discover hope is not this wish or this kind of, oh, okay, I hope it turns out that way, but I'm not sure. No, that's not what hope means. Hope means I have an assurance in Jesus Christ. I have an assurance in God. And so despite what things might look like around me, despite the experiences that I'm going through, I can have a sure foundation and a sure hope in God and I cling to him. And then the second week we looked at peace. And we discovered that peace is much deeper than what we think. Peace isn't just the absence of war. Peace isn't just the absence of conflict. Uh, peace is this deep-seated, this deep-rooted sense, again, that we find in God that surpasses understanding. 
And again, regardless of what might be happening to me and around me in the circumstances, I can still find peace resting in God's hands. And so at Christmas time, we reflect on the peace that Jesus, the Prince of Peace, brings to us. Last week, as we had the kids do the Advent reading, we looked at joy and discovered that there is incredible joy in God. God is a joy bringer. God is a joy giver. And so when the angels declare joy to the world, yes, we find joy in Jesus Christ. And if you weren't here last Sunday after that Advent reading, we enjoyed the children's musical. And what a great fun time that was. Today, as you've already heard from our young boys, today's theme of Advent is the theme of love. God's love to us in Jesus Christ. How can we look at Christmas? How can we prepare for Christmas without considering the love of God? That God, we sang it this morning, Emmanuel, God with us. That God would step out of eternity, step out of heaven from where his throne room is and step into the muck and the mire that we call life. That God would take on flesh and become human in order to redeem his creation. To restore you and I to relationship with God. If that's not love, I don't know what is. And so today we want to focus on the love of God found in Jesus Christ. You know, typically, I said a few moments ago, we do an expositional sermon. You know, we find a passage of scripture, we work through it and we expound it. Uh, One of my challenges for this morning in looking at the theme of love is where to begin. There are countless passages that tackle this subject. There are countless verses that address the love of God. And so this morning, I want to look at a few as we go through the theme rather than trying to unpack one. And as most of you know, when I try and preach, I always try and look for, well, what's the meaning? What's the application? What do I do with this? How do I live based in response to this? And this morning, I'm going to give you a clue right up front because I've got, yes, a little bit of application, but I genuinely believe when we respond to God's love, the response is worship. We respond by worshiping God. God's love. What is Christmas all about? Uh, I'm part of a Toastmasters club. I know many of you know what Toastmasters is. For those who don't, Toastmasters is really just a a glorified public speaking uh, place. And we gather together. We learn how to speak in public. Most people are terrified of speaking publicly. Uh, Most people just don't want to do it. And so something like Toastmasters is a great environment to practice, to learn, to get positive feedback to get some help to grow and to develop and discover those little crutches like using the word unpack all the time. Uh, And so both last year and last week in my Toastmasters club, we have a Christmas morning. uh, And and of course, it's all politically correct. So it's a happy holidays morning. uh, And we get together and we bring gifts to share with one another. And so this past week, again, uh, we've got this gift share, you know, one of those find a super cheap thrift store gift or a dollar store gift, and, and there you go. But it's public speaking, so we have to give a speech in response to the gift. And so, of course, just similar to last year in a slightly different way, this past week, I pick up my gift that's given to me. I open the instructions before I open the gift, and the instruction is to speak about what this gift means to you. And what Christmas means to you. 
And I love it when a group of largely unchurched, non-Christian people from all walks of life and all cultures ask the Baptist pastor in the room, what does Christmas mean <laughs> to you? And so I open up my gift, and, and the gift is a wine glass. But it's one of those gag wine glasses that fits the whole bottle of wine in it. You know, and, and so I look at this, and I'm just like, Holy Spirit, help me. Like, I'm, you know, yes, we're Baptists, and most Baptists don't drink, you know, well, at least we tell the world that in some places, and here I am with this wine glass, and, uh, and, and, and by the grace of God, I love using humor, and so I sort of said, well, you might like this kind of wine glass if you're Felice Navi done with the season, but let me tell you what Christmas means to me. And of course it means gifts and family and food and all those things are great. But for me, the meaning of Christmas is in the word. Christmas. And I cannot avoid Christmas without Christ. And while I respect everyone's belief and position and where you stand with God, what is important for Christmas or about Christmas to me, it's the love of God through his son Jesus Christ coming to earth. And isn't that what the world looks for? We look for love. We want love. We long for love. All our stories, all our movies, all our songs, everything around us is about love. Love is found in God. You know, the world weakens that word love. Think about it. We use the word love for everything. I love my wife. I really love trucks. I love meat. And I, I love a good sleep. You know, there was a TV advert in South Africa years ago with this little child who really loved everything. And he called everything by the name of a, a sandwich spread. You know, because that's how he showed he loved. And, and it was. He loved his mom and he loved his dog. And he loved the sandwich spread in the same vein. The world has changed this word love. We've weakened it. We've softened it. And, and so we, we say things like, I love you. And we could as easily be talking to a candy bar or our spouse. What is love? And what do we mean when we say love? Who have you last said, I love you too? Did you mean it? How many people do you really love? And even as I ask, who have you said, I love you too? How many people have said, I love you, back to you? Last night, Cindy and I were with some friends for dinner, listening to their story and just sharing. And, and it was one of those classic tales where uh, the one half knew they loved the other half long before the other half. And they told that dreaded story that some of you know, where kind of the one goes out on a limb and says, I love you. And the other one went, thank you. <laughs> and, and, and took almost a year before the other one was able to say, I love you in return. But you see, they didn't want to say, I love you and not mean it. Who have you said, I love you to? And who has said, I love you back to you? I'm quite sure if you spend time thinking through the last decade, maybe the last 20, 30, 40 plus years, there will be people who said, I love you to you. And you know, they love you as much as they love a candy bar. They don't love there is no loyalty, there is no sacrifice, there is no giving. For many of us in the world, love is just the feeling in the here and now. 
And we become so self-obsessed. It's all about me and what I want and what I appreciate. So when I say I love something, it's in relation to my feelings. And if those feelings change, well, then my love changes. At Christmas time, during Advent, as we start to focus on Christmas morning and Christmas day, we remind ourselves that there is someone who loves us as much today as he did for eternity past. His love never changes. He has never loved you more and will never love you less. God loves you the same all the time. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross so that we would be with him. That well-known verse, John 3, verse 16, but I want to include verse 17 because we do ourselves a disservice by not reading the two together. John 3, verse 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Have we forgotten those verses? God has not forgotten us. And at Christmas time we remind ourselves, Jesus Loves us. God loves us through Jesus Christ. God so loved the world. Love was the motivation for God's plan of salvation for us. Not condemnation. Not, not hell or fire or, or destroying or anything like that. It was love. For God so loved you and I. That he sent his son. Jesus came and walked in this earth in, in human. God became fully man. And that's how much he loves us. Let me slightly change gears for a moment. I was blown away this past week as I was kind of preparing and reading through. Uh, don't shut out the answer, but I wonder if I asked you how many people have walked on the moon. You know, when I first thought about that, I was like, well, I think two. Because I know their names and that's about it. Do you know 12 people have walked on the moon? 12 people have walked on the moon. Go and Google it. Go and, go and do your research. And you'll find a whole bunch of Apollo missions from 1969 to 1972. And, and it blows my mind that back then we were able to put someone on the moon. Man alive, it should blow our minds even more that God set foot on earth. That God created us and God put this together. And then rather than setting it up like a winding clock and just leaving it on a shelf, God stepped and walked among his creation. For God so loved the world that he gave. The Apostle Paul captures the incarnation or the incarnate Christ in what he wrote Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. And I love Paul's humility because Paul says, Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. You don't often hear preachers saying that. Now, I've got to admit, I would be far more comfortable saying, you sinners should turn to Christ. But that's not what Paul does. Paul goes, Christ came to save sinners of who I am the worst. He came to save me because of his great love. 
Acts chapter 4 verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Jesus is God. And Jesus is exceedingly mighty and powerful and awesome and and worship inducing. Jesus loves us. The king over all the earth. The most high God. And at this time of year, we remember as we read, and we've read this verse already a few times this week. Today in the city of Angel, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And the angels sing out, I I, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For God so loved all the people. That is love. And you know what I, I, I nearly said what I love about this. That's the wrong word. In response to the love of God to us, as I read scripture and as I engage with the apostles, I soon realize God's love for me is not based on my spiritual condition. That should be freeing and releasing. God doesn't love me based on what I've done or not love me based on what I've done. God loves me, period. And he sent his son for me. God loves me. I don't have to clean up beforehand. I don't have to look at my behavior or my attitude. I don't have to, as has been joked before, I don't have to go and take a bath before I shower. God loves me as I am. But he loves me too much to leave me that way. And so he cleans me. He changes me. He pulls me along to make me more and more like his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus came, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And that believe, is a, it's an action word. It's a present tense, believe. Not simply, I believed once and I forget about it, now I go. No, I believe in the here and now, moment by moment, that Jesus is Lord. Can you grasp the love that Jesus Christ has for you? There is a way that we grasp these words of love. We can sit here and listen to these words and leave this place completely unaffected. But actually, we're invited to respond. We're invited to receive and respond. So how do I grasp these words of love? How do I respond? Well, I respond by serving and offering myself back to God. If Christmas is a time of gifts and gift giving, if God gave his gift of Jesus Christ to us, what's a fitting return? It's to give myself in service, to give myself back to God, committing to him. And as I respond, as I realize that God loves me, I respond in worship to God. I don't clean up. I I don't try and change stuff. I just say, okay, God, here I am. You know, I remember at a Baptist youth summer camp when I was about 16, the preacher spoke, and and I was just so moved by the the Holy Spirit in the midst of that message. And right at the end of the sermon, he kind of asked everyone, you know, if you want to respond in in some way, and if, if you're prepared to say, okay, God, you can have me and use me, why don't you stand up and let me pray for you? And I stood up, and I remember exactly where I was in that hall. I I can visualize it, every detail. And I remember standing up and saying, Okay, God, if you will use me, I will go wherever you send me. 
Of course, had I known Canada back then, it may have been a different story. <laughs> but I said, God, because of your great love for me, my only response is to, to worship you by offering myself back to you. If you will use me, I will serve. You know, during the Christmas season, many of us wonder about what's, what it's all about. Uh, they wonder about this story, the story of Jesus. Maybe you have known the story and, and known about Jesus, but maybe you find yourself in a valley struggling to understand who is he really? What is the story and how do I respond to it? I would encourage you this morning to simply pray that prayer and to say, Jesus, because you gave yourself, I give myself. And regardless of where you're at, trust him to move and reveal himself. You know, throughout scripture, there are over 200 names given for Christ, for titles and, and descriptions. The message and meaning of, of Christmas is spelled out in Isaiah 9 verse 6. We've already read it a couple of times, but it's so crucial to our understanding of Christmas. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And during the season of Advent, the full meaning of those words from Isaiah should give us hope, peace, joy to face anything, whether crisis, sorrow, or whatever, to meet any temptation. Because through those descriptions, we can experience God firsthand. You know, too often, Christmas becomes a time where we're just overwhelmed. It's a never ending to do list. All the things we have to achieve, all the promises we're trying to fulfill, and it, it becomes a burden. Cindy had a conversation with one of her colleagues this past week, and our kids were complaining about the fact that it's less than a week to Christmas and we're still at school. Now, admittedly, most children would complain about being at school any day of the week. But, but you know, we were kind of like, yeah, you're right. Like, it's less than a week to Christmas and we're still at school. What's going on here? And Cindy's colleague, as they were just chatting about this, kind of made the comment that, well, you know, Christmas is just so chaotic. And there's just all these things you got to do, and it's just such a burden, and it's frustrating, and, and all of that. And, and it's so much better to have the holiday after Christmas so you can just rest and get over Christmas. Where did we go wrong? Christmas time is a time to pause and reflect, to, to respond in worship, to realize that it doesn't have to be so chaotic and crazy. To remind ourselves that Jesus came to bring us hope, to bring us peace, to bring us joy. And so that we might experience love, true love in him. You know, as I think about the craziness of Christmas, I'm so glad that we did a blue Christmas service this past week. Now, I know for many people, the blue Christmas service is a time of reflection because they're mourning loss, any sort of loss. But I just loved gathering here this past week. And, you know, we had people from North Surrey who somebody else had seen the advert for our blue Christmas service on Facebook and told these people about it. And so a father and son were here because his wife had passed away. Was it one year or two years ago? Two years ago, just at the Christmas season. And Christmas is difficult for them. 
And they just wanted a place where it was quiet, reverential, and they could just focus on Christmas and be reminded of the love of God, even in the pain. And I'm, I'm so glad we did it, and I hope that you come to next year's Blue Christmas service. God, through his son, extended the commandment of love for us to share with others. And Jesus, in response to what was the greatest command, said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Why would Jesus say that? Because Jesus is love. And Jesus loves us. And he says to us in response to that love, love me and love others in return. So during this Advent week of love, I would invite you, if you've never told God you love him, maybe get to that place of being able to say, God, I love you. And if you cannot, like that friend we chatted to last night, pray and say, God, by your Holy Spirit, would you give me an understanding? Change my heart. Let me get to that place of being able to say, yes, I love you in response to your love to me. Are you overwhelmed, tired already? Remember, God is love and God loves us. And for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. God didn't send his son to condemn the world, but to redeem the world. We're just a few days short of lighting that Christ candle to remember and celebrate Christ. And this morning I pray that you would have a fresh understanding of the love of God and you would respond in worship to God. Let's pray together. Jesus, we are blown away by your love. God, your love for us. That you love us regardless of where we're at, what we've done. And there is nothing we can do that would make you love us any less. And God, your love for us ran so deep that you stopped at nothing to redeem us and to bring us back to relationship with you. So much so that you sent your son, you gave your son as the only truly valuable gift. So that for those who receive that gift, God, we might receive life in you. Father, I pray for each one of us here this morning. I know there are those in our midst who have never received that gift. I pray that even right now, by your spirit, you would draw them to receive. Father, for those of us who have received that gift and maybe lost sight of your love for us, awaken our hearts and our eyes and our minds again to that love. That we would respond in service, we would respond in worship, we would respond by loving you and loving those around us. So that the world would see and the world would marvel 
And the world would understand truly the reason for Christmas. And that they too would be able to say Christmas is about Jesus Christ. We ask this in your matchless name, O God, for your kingdom and your glory. We pray and say, Amen.